listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're tackling classic literature and interviewing writer Lainey Zumas. But first... What are you reading, Bria? I am reading a book I would not normally be reading, which is called... You're doing your book riot. I'm doing my book, book riot. Uh-huh, your book uh-huh, riot. Uh-huh, read harder challenge. Okay. I am. I am. I'm reading The Nature Fix by Florence Williams. Have you heard of this book? No. Well, it fulfills Book Riot's number six on Book Riot's Read Harder Challenge, which I'm doing this year. I've already fulfilled three of them. Wow. One just by accident because it was like a female sci-fi book but with a female protagonist. You're like, I read 15 of those a week. Oh, done, done. I already did that this year. I didn't even pay attention to that. But okay, number six is a book about nature. So I'm reading this book called The Nature Fix, which is very good. It is about, it is a... I really like a woman on a journey in a nonfiction book. You like you do like women on journeys. Yeah, but also in nonfiction settings. Yeah. That 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 doesn't okay matter if they're in space, if they're in your yeah, backyard, yeah. as long yeah, as you're matter. on a journey. So she's on this journey to find out whether or not nature is basically makes us healthier or not. This is a very nature is horrible trying to kill of the book. you. No, no, no. It's not. It's trying to make you healthy. It's trying to make you healthy. You should read The Nature Fix. You'll learn all about it. Bria, tell me all about this. So basically, she the book starts with her going to Korea and the and all these various places where they do things called like forest baths. I'm saying that wrong. God, it's like I haven't even forest read this book. Forest baths. Where you like lay in the forest and That's you just go on getting hikes. dirty. Yeah, that is. It's like it's a lot about how That's like rebranding on dirt. So, but in the first couple chapters, I learned that if you spend time in nature. Your blood pressure goes way down. Your cholesterol glow goes way down. All of, like within like a day, you have like your body. It's like you are like losing, not losing years, gaining years, <laughs> becoming younger. It's making you more healthy. So in places where there's a lot of uh, recent, you know, in all in all in like Korea and some other places where there are the people are really worried about. Um, all of the people are suddenly spending more time inside and there's a culture of like work, 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 right? Um, That's my life. Yeah, yeah. So you should be going out in nature and like laying around in a forest and listening to a babbling brook because it literally changes your brainwaves and makes you think better and they have all these like businessmen going to the forest and after like three days they're like totally settled and can think better and their nature just like makes you smarter. Okay. (laughs) All right. I know you I'm don't believe board. this, but I'm I feel like you should. This. Re- this book is really good. It's really amazing. You should check okay. it out. It's I'm really enjoying it. All right. What are you reading, Mallory? Uh, I'm reading a short story collection called Single Carefree Mellow by Katherine Heine. It's amazing. It's not something that I normally read because it's like nobody's dying. You know, nothing weird is it's happening. Just like swimming in a pool on that yeah. the cover. It's just short stories about like the interior lives of women. Like this one, you know, just a short story about a girl who is cheating on her husband, a lady who is who throws a birthday party for her kids. But it's just like these quiet, sort of funny, amazing, like really introspective stories about like the interior lives of these women. And it's really, it's a really pleasant book to read. It's a good like in between. Um, if you're like you just read like a big intense book or you read something scary or you just need to like relax it's a very relaxing book I like that and the cover has a quote from Lena Dunham yeah it's pretty pretty intense it's pretty amazing so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback Bess writes in your recommendations have helped me dislodge myself from the snoop police I was an English lit major at a very literary liberal arts college and it definitely instilled in me the snoot y'all have helped me to kick off my snoot boots which I'm a 
obsessed with that phrase now, and just relax into doing something that I love. Lastly, I read Refrigerator Monologues on Bria's Rec, and I loved it. Thanks for helping me explore outside my wheelhouse. My wheelhouse is a little all over the place. I'd say it's probably literary fiction involving gay men, English people who are feeling so much they can't communicate because society, medieval-based fantasy, but the technology is not beyond, moved beyond the crossbow, bonus points if it's new tech and they talk about it, and gothic, both Southern and English. Wow. And by the way, we always want to hear your wheelhouses. So if you, at any point, figure out what your wheelhouse is, we want to know because I really like that. Medieval fantasy, but technology. That's so specific. (laughs) I love it. Lauren writes in, when I was little, I would read in the bathtub all the time. Every time I took a bath, I would spend hours reading, possibly to get me to stop spending hours in the tub. My parents had me start taking showers, but I didn't want to stop reading, so I started reading in the shower. This is some revolutionary shit. <laughs> of course, I was a kid and didn't really get how that how to make that work and ended up getting water all over the floor. Needless to say, my parents were not pleased. Since I've grown up and have my own place, I've gotten reading in the shower down to a science. It's not really that different from reading in the bath. I still sit on the bottom of the tub to read. Instead of filling the tub, I just sit in sit in it and turn the shower on all you really have to do is keep the plastic shower curtain between the book and presumably and presumably e-reader and the water and then you're good to go wait how does that work so she's leaning so you look through the plastic like a plastic like a see-through shower curtain yeah okay it's not something you should do all the time because it uses a lot of water, but I find it more relaxing than a bath and a really, and it's a nice little treat. And, so and, you're and telling hold me. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're going to pause right here for a moment, Lauren. I I can't wear my glasses in the shower, okay? Why not? Because then they'll get all all fogged up. Oh, but you're still holding the book pretty close to your face. You can't read it. I guess, far. but who wants to have their face that close to a plastic I mean, shower the clean curtain? I mean, clean is, the thing is, you have to have a, a clean see-through shower curtain in between yep. to make this work. Yep. Lauren has really structured her life for shower reading. You know what? I'm which really, I feel like you would applaud. I, I feel like this is a Mallory slow clap. I, I, this is a slow clap, but it's a double slow clap because the fact that she keeps her plastic shower curtain crystal clear enough to read through it. Like It's like, you know, when people are like, my floors are clean enough to eat off of. Like, Maybe my she's pla- my- moving it to the other side of the curtain. No, she said she's reading yeah. through it. It's like, wow. my, my curtains are clean enough to read through. Like, <laughs> I am very impressed with this. So you can always email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank Danielle, who runs our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. And remember that you can buy Reading Glasses merch in our Maximum Fun store. We have both bookmarks and very awesome totes. Uh, You can check out the link in the show notes. And before we talk about classic books, we're going to take a quick break. This week's Reading Glasses is brought to you by Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can turn your cool idea into a new website. You can promote your physical or online business. You can announce upcoming events or a special project or tons of other things. Squarespace does all this by giving you beautiful, customizable templates created by world-class designers. Powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online. Anything. Everything is optimized from mobile right from out of the box and analytics and built-in SEO that help you grow in real time. Also, don't forget they have free and secure hosting and 24-7 award-winning customer support. I just built a new website, brand new, called BriaDirectsAndWrites.com with all of my writing and directing stuff because, guys, I'm a multi-hyphenate. We all need multiple websites at this point, so I have BriaGrant.com and have BriaDirectsAndWrites.com because... 
Why not, you know? Go to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Use the offer code GLASSES to save 10% on your first purchase of a website or domain. Okay, got it? That's squarespace.com. Use the code GLASSES right when you're ready to launch. I just did this, guys, and let me tell you, my website looks freaking awesome. Bye. Yeah, Mark. Hey, buddy. Oh, hey, what's up, ma'am? Um, so I'm at this mafia restaurant. What? I'm going to go in and ask these guys what they think the best pasta shape is. Mark, they're probably eating it. I have a hunch that it's probably ravioli, but, I mean, you know what? That's a good idea. Whatever they're eating, I'll just take a look in their bowls Why don't and you see what they have. Maybe There's supposed to be a big meeting there today. Can you see it from the street? That sounds really dangerous. So I'm just going to go inside and ask. Don't don't bother them. They're probably eating, you know. Look, I'm not threatened by them. How about we tell them what the best pasta is on our podcast? We got this with Mark and Hal. Oh, that's a great idea. Thank God. Tuesdays at 9? On MaximumFun.org. So this week, we're tackling a big reader question. Is it worth it to read classic literature? Does it matter? Will a group of sexy English professors see you struggling through that copy of War and Peace and lift you onto their shoulders and carry you around the town? Nope. Ah, that sounds awesome, though. Yeah. It's like like Beauty and the Beast style. Yeah. Except they're people instead of, you know, like candlesticks and stuff. <laughs> candlesticks would have a really hard time carrying you. <laughs> I'm talking, like, no, they lift up Gaston. Oh, yeah. Is that his name? Gaston. Sure. Yeah. I believe you. Yeah, I don't know. He they, hated he hated books. <laughs> I know. That guy's our enemy. I know. Gaston is literally the enemy of reading glasses. I know. We're, and, and the beast is our mascot. <laughs> I have a Beauty and the Beast tattoo. I'm obsessed with that. Really? Oh, yeah. That's like one of my favorite tales. Anyways. It's all this time. <laughs> so a lot of readers struggle with whether or not to spend their precious reading time on classic books. And if you're going to read one, which should it be? One from a high school required reading list, one that's your crush's favorite, the one that has a new movie adaptation coming out. So let's do the definition of a classic book really fast. A classic book is one that is, this is the definition, is one that is exemplary and noteworthy based on a reader's opinion, which is not really a strict definition, but people often associate it with the Western canon. Like, that's just what people think. In the 1980s, Italo Calvino said in his essay, Why Read the Classics, that a classic book is a book that has never finished saying what it has to say. And then he says, your classic author is the one you cannot feel indifferent to, who helps you define yourself in relation to him, even in dispute with him. So that means a classic is kind of like what you make it? Yeah. Right? It's also been said there are two different kinds of classics. One that is the kind you are ashamed to not have read, and one is the kind you're constantly talking about and saying, you gotta read it. It's a classic. So we're talking about all the kinds. Yeah, basically. So, and don't forget, classics aren't just by straight white men from England or America. Native Son, Invisible Man, and Frankenstein, those are all classics. Priya, do you care about classic literature? I do some. I've actually read quite a bit of classic literature. Um, I read a lot of it in high school and in college, particularly high school, though, because I worked at a library and we had a lot of classic literature and I would just check it out because it was kind of getting into reading for fun and didn't really know what else to read. So, I mean, in high school, literally, I was the kid who really liked 1984 and The Great Gatsby. And I went out of my way to read like all of those quintessential books at that time. I also read a ton of Vonnegut and I couldn't 
think about it. Do you think that counts? I think Vonnegut's a classic now. At this point. Oh, yeah. But was he in the 90s when I was reading him? <laughs> I think you Bria, I think you read a classic before it a was pre-classic? Cool. A, a pre-classic? A pre-classic classic? Oh, yeah. You got on that shit right away. I think, so I do appreciate that I have this background, but I don't really reach for them so much anymore at this point. I think it created, like, a, a nice bed for me to lie on, for me to participate Very uncomfortable in bed. storytelling conversations. You know, where I'm like, oh, it's like 1984. It's like these these books that you can talk about, and I can talk about, you know, storytelling, and since storytelling is part of my job, but also just reading books, it, I can, like, relate books to other books that are classics. And so I feel like it gives me that, like, bedrock of, like, okay, we can relate because we can talk about this one kind of thing that we both know about a little bit. But these days I do kind of avoid like ladies in poofy old timey dresses unless they go ride on like a blimp or a werewolf or something like that. Are they riding on the werewolves? Because I'm also on board for that. Yes, yes. But like the the, the, like Jane Austen books, like I'm never going to pick those up again. I saw a blimp the other day. You saw a blimp? Yeah. Was it? In the air. Did it come from a like a, a steampunk book or what's the deal? I don't know. Maybe they were ladies in poofy dresses on there. I do think that that there is a good classic book for anyone who's looking, though. This is my theory. So, like, three different kinds of classic books. Animal Farm, Dracula, Wuthering Heights. These are all books that are really, really different, but all considered classics. And so you don't have to, like, just pick up War and Peace, which I've never fucking read and I'm never going to read. Throwing um, it down. I'm throwing Fuck ne- you, War and Peace. Fuck you, War and Peace. What have you ever done for me? War, not good. Peace, <laughs> Been all right. <laughs> <laughs> just peace. Can I have the just peace book? <laughs> you just cut the book in half and read it. Read yeah, half just the read book. the last half. All right. What about you? Do you do you like give a shit about classics? Honestly, I really used to. Uh, I still fight against the urge to read books because I feel obligated to. That was something that I dealt with a lot when I was, you know, a baby reader when growing growing up. Um, mostly because I don't like missing out on references. Like I've never read Catcher in the Rye. I've never read an Austen book. I've never read a Bronte book. Uh, so those references always fly over my head and that bothers me. Mm. Uh, like you said, there's so many part of the part of what makes a classic a classic is so many people have read it and becomes part of this cultural conversation. And that bothers I don't like not knowing things. Um, so when I was a teenager and getting wicked into horror, I sort of forced myself to read a lot of classic horror. Horror. Wow, horror. <laughs> a lot of classic horror literature. No, you just made up a word. I just made up a word. And a lot of it was sort of boring. Uh, and I, you know, wouldn't read as much because I was struggling through these like really boring books. Like what is a classic? Oh, like like Dracula? Yeah, uh, I mean, I love Dracula, but like Frankenstein, oh, yeah. um, uh, Mysteries of Adolfo, uh, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, uh, Lord Byron, oh, yeah. uh, Algernon Blackwood, Ambrose okay. Beard, like all like like really old classic weird fiction and um you know it, sometimes it wasn't fun but i felt like i had to read it you know nowadays i i try to read at least one classic book a month but i've set some rules for myself it has to be something i'm actually interested in like not just like any classic book because it's a classic and i have to put it down if i don't like it uh i tried reading the master and margarita last year because i love satan books i don't even know what that book is it's a classic russian literature uh, book uh, uh, uh. um and man i really didn't like it so you know what i put it down halfway through and I read the Wikipedia entry for the end of the book and I don't feel any shame about it. I guess that's the nice thing about classics is there are Wikipedia entries for all of them. Like yep. you can just go and be like, well, I haven't read Wuthering Heights, but Wuthering Heights, Wuthering Heights. Wuthering. Wuthering? I don't know. The only I, I, pr- I pronounce it the way Kate Bush pronounces it in the song. That's as much as I know about Wuthering Heights. I read it at one point, but I don't even know I what think it's she about. says Wuthering. 
weathering. But, but she's also Kate Bush, so. I just, I, I want it to be like weathering. Like we're weathering through the heights. There's just Very a lot important. of weather going on over We're going to get some emails about this. People who love weathering heights are going to have a lot of opinions. So th- I think that's the thing is you should never feel obligated to read a book. If you feel like reading a certain work of classic literature will help you understand other books or stories better, give it a shot. And the good thing is that a lot of classic books are public domain now, and they're available for cheap at bookstores or free on your Kindle. And if you aren't into it, just read a summary of it. Screw it. Watch the movie adaptation. Like, don't waste your precious life pushing through Moby Dick if you're miserable doing it. You're first off, guys. You're never gonna read all the classics, and second, the Snoop Police aren't gonna give you a trophy if you finish it all somehow. It's true. But some classics are classics for a reason. What's your favorite one, Bria? Um, I would say like I know you haven't read it. Catcher on the Rye did turn me on to reading. I feel like I missed my window with Catcher. No, on the no, Rye. you can't read it now. You're too old. I'm. You're I mean, old. You have to be filled with hormones. He hates. He hates you. You're too old at this point. Holden Caulfield would scoff at our lifestyles. Yep. <laughs> he would scoff at all the things we do now and the things we believe. But I am as a rebellious teenager. I was interested in him. T- calling people phonies, and I was like, yeah, I believe Isn't it in this stuff too. Just like some kids' live journal. Yeah, it's basically it's an old school live journal of a of a, of a kid. Yeah. It's some it's some kids like really like angry like Twitter feed. That's all it is. That's what that is what I don't have enough is. angst, man, for this stuff. It's super angsty, but I I did really like it. And I remember I w- I would go to Dallas to go see friends. I would drive like three hours to go to Dallas, and I didn't want to put it down. I was like playing in a band, and like between takes. Not takes between like songs and everybody's working out things. I would be reading that book and they're like, "You're not retaining that," and I'm like, "Yes, I am. I'm retaining all of it." Like I love so it. much angst that it seared itself into your brain. And then I went and read every J.D. Salinger thing. I've read all of his books and short stories. I think at this point, probably. Wow. And I loved them all. I just was like, "Oh my god, there's books out there for me." Because I had read a lot of books in school that I did not like, and that was the first one where I was like, "I get it. I get books now." And so that was like a big door opener. For me. So that would be definitely among among my top favorites. What about you? Uh, my favorite is The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. It's still one of my favorite books, and I'm a, I love Nathaniel Hawthorne. He's one of my favorite authors. But I think part of the reason why he's one of my favorites is when I was when I it was an assigned book to me in junior year of high school. And what the teacher did was she taped up the back of all of the books. So spoiler alert, sorry guys for the Scarlet Letter, but so you couldn't read the back of it, so you didn't know that the priest was the father. So it was like a big reveal. I don't remember what the plot of the Scarlet Letter is, except that it was... This lady has a baby with someone who isn't her husband, and she's exiled, but the priest of the town is the one that she had the baby with. Oh, 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 oh. But it says that on the back of the book. Oh. So the whole time you're just like reading it, you're like, oh, oh, this lady has a sad life, everything's sad. But like when I read it, you're like, it felt like a mystery because you didn't know who the dad was. So it was so compelling. It was a big reveal. And I was like, smart teacher. Yeah. Oh, actually, well. She kind of sucked, but she was a very mean lady. <laughs> but that but was she a lo- made you read the Scarlet Letter yep. and made it interesting. And now I've read I've read almost everything by Nathaniel Hawthorne. Um, I I love all of his books. He's also kind of like spooky and gothic. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So I'm I'm into that. It is weird how many classics are kind of like are a little goth. 
Oh yeah, like life was I, shitty back then. Yeah, man. yeah, it was. But I could. It just seems like a lot of goth kids would be like, "I love classics." Hey man, it's all like it's the it's everybody's wearing black and veils and yeah. like everybody's <laughs> dying of, of the of cholera. <laughs> you know, like, the classics are very goth. <laughs> well, I think that's the thing is I feel like because a lot of classic books are assigned to us in school, people associate them with like, "Oh, I have to read this," and like they don't they wouldn't want to read it anyways because they had to. So the classics get kind of like a boring reputation, but there are a lot of classics that are super compelling and cool and fun to read. Classics can be metal too. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> classics can classics be. Classics are cool. I feel like classics are like that weird person that's like, hey man, like I'm cool and hip too. Or it's a person who like never goes out of style. You know what I mean? You know those girls who like started when they became like teenagers, they started dressing like 1950s pinup stars and like they still dress like that. I'm like, Pfft. Your style has literally stayed the same, but it's never gone out of style. Yeah, you're you still don't, cool. You still look just as hip as you did 20 years ago when you started dressing like that. It's yeah. You're, and but and the great thing about vintage clothes is it's the same clothes from 20 years you, ago. They, you literally you have, have not had new. to change any, any clothes. Yeah. I that was such a random reference that I feel like we should cut it out of the show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you want to find some great classics to read, it, this is a good time to ask around. There are countless lists of classic books online. You like there's always like the hundred books that you should read before you die but if you want to find one that will actually interest you ask some book friends like ask a librarian you know tell them what sort of books you like to read and they'll be able to recommend a classic in the genre again like bria said you don't have to like pick up war and peace like you can find a book that actually like if you like whales maybe moby dick is a good thing for you if you like poofy dresses pick up some jane austen you know i do wonder do you think that the books that are getting assigned though now are different i don't know if anybody has a kid in high school or is a kid in high school, could be either, we want to know because I'm actually like send us the list of books that you are assigned to read because I'm actually really curious if it's changed a lot now because we definitely in high school, all old white men. Like we just read yeah. old white men's books and that's it. And I think that now people may be more aware of that. What books did you like get assigned in school? I don't remember, but I think it was like The Great Gatsby. I mean, we did read some and a lot of plays. We, we did read some Shakespeare. Did lots of Shakespeare. The Crucible. The Crucible. Uh, the Pearl by no. John Steinbeck. Oh, a sure, sure, sure. A oh, separate no. piece. Of Mice and Men. That my, no, we didn't do a separate. We didn't do Of Mice and Men. Mm. And you know what? I never, you know what I got? never got assigned in school? To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, I, I think to, I've read that 45 times. I had to read that. I read that when I was, when I got out of high school because I was like, I don't know what happens. Do they kill the mockingbird? They, they, Does the mockingbird <laughs> live? I need to know. <laughs> the mockingbird, and as it turns out, it's not about the mockingbird. Big review. Big spoiler There's no me. mockingbird in there's the movie. Big it, shocker. It's a, it's a metaphor. I, that's, you know what? I still like that book probably. It's a good book. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't read it in a billion years, but I feel like it would be good. So send your thoughts on classic books to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to Lainey Zumas, we're going to take a short break. Hey, you, with the headphones. Just between you and me, the MaxFun store just got some of that sweet, sweet new merchant stock. You know, that merch from your favorite MaxFun shows? Could be posters, tote bags, shirts, stickers, patches, aprons. We got it all. Well, we got a lot. Point is, there's some new stuff. Go to maxfunstore.com. So here we are with Lainey Zumas, author of the new, newly released book, Red Clocks. Lainey, what are you reading right now? 
Um, I'm reading a debut novel called Palaces by Simon Jacobs and a debut story collection called The Wrong Heaven by Amy Bonifons. So can you tell us a bit about Red Clocks? Sure. Um, it is... Uh, it circles around the lives of five women. Four of them live in present-day Oregon. The fifth is a 19th-century female polar explorer, and the four women in present-day Oregon live in an America where abortion is illegal again, and there are other restrictions on uh, what women can do with their bodies, and also who can become parents through adoption. Um, so it's about how these women respond in different ways to uh, the new restrictions and the kind of new political order. Yeah, I think I think Red Clocks is going to be one of my favorite books of the year. It's oh my god, thank you. I can tell you've been talking about it a lot from that response. That was a very <laughs> you you like went straight for it. <laughs> this episode is actually all about classics, um, and we were we want to know: Do you have a favorite classic book of classic literature? Um, if, may I tell you three of my favorites? Um, <laughs> I really love Emily Bronte's Wuthering Heights and Harriet Jacobs' Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl and also Wilkie Collins' The Moonstone, which is a 19th century detective novel. Wow. That is like, you kind of like went the range of all the kinds of classics with that answer. Yeah. There's the, from the melodramatic to the political to the sort of deliciously like ridiculous. Yeah. It's great. I love it. So do you, do you have a book of classic literature that you absolutely hated? Maybe one that you were assigned in school and like just wanted to throw it out a window? Um, there is a book that I did throw, um, and stomp on, um, and this was in college and it was Tristram Shandy by Lawrence Stern. Um, I could not stand it. Uh, and I just was really mad that I had to read it. And the the weird thing is though, I teach it now, um, in my classes, um, when I teach seminars on innovation and strangeness in the novel, cause Stern was one of the first innovators. Um, and many of my students hate it as well. Um, and we talk about their hatred. So that kind of leads to our next question. Do you think reading the classics is worth people's time? Mm. Yeah, that is a great question. I'm so glad you guys are talking about that because I, I absolutely do think it's worth it. And as long as we think kind of critically about which books qualify as classics and have a sort of expansive definition that includes a lot of different cultures and national traditions, um, not just the Western canon. But I mean, I use in Red Clocks, I draw on Moby Dick by Herman Melville and um, use the language of 19th century seafaring and sort of whale obsession to inform a 21st century uh, discussion of those things. And I, I think it's actually really important, not just for writers, but for anyone who is interested in the world to have a longer reach of, of kind of curiosity and awareness about sort of how storytelling has shaped us. So is there a book that you wish you were assigned in school or think you should have been assigned in school, but weren't? Um, you know, I wish in, in high school and, and also college, although more so high school that I had been assigned more classics by female writers of color, um, like say Shonigan's The Pillow Book from the 10th century or Sor Juana Inez de la Cruz, uh, uh, his work. She was a Mexican nun in the 17th century. Our classics were mostly male, um, and mostly white. 
I love that answer. Uh, Lainey, you clearly, so you teach school. I just want to know what it is that you teach because like yeah. you're so well-versed <laughs> in all of this stuff. <laughs> well, I am. Um, so I'm, I primarily teach creative writing, but I do teach a lot of seminars on fiction and literature and particularly looking at, um, kind of overlooked things or, um, books that, you know, maybe you didn't read in high school. So it's not the catcher in the rye. It might be Tristram Shandy. Um, and cause I, I just feel like the best way to teach writing is by introducing people to books they haven't read yet. I love that. That's really great. So Lainey, tell us about your reading habits. Do you have any reading quirks you'd like to share with us? Um, I don't know if this is a quirk, but I think that it might be in the year 20, 20- 18, which is that I have never used a Kindle. Um, do, do you think, mo- I mean, do you guys use Kindles? Do most people use Kindles? This by is now? a often discussed subject on our show. I do. <laughs> I, I do use a Kindle. Mallory does not, but I, I looked into it and actually it's, it's not a large percentage of the population uses a Kindle as much as I do. Oh, really? Like okay. a, it's a, it's very much a, yeah, it's still people, most people still read solid books. Okay. <laughs> solid page turn in books. Because sometimes, especially with my student, my undergrad students, they'll be like, oh, just do the thing on the device. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because um, a lot of them have Kindles, especially because it's cheaper to to get books on Kindles, which I, you know, sympathize with, of course. But So you're still buying old, you're buying the old school books. I am. I like, I like the heft of a book and I, I like just, yeah, I like how the pages feel. So is there a book that you like to gift to people? Um, I often try to gift people uh, books by my writer friends who have new books out. I'm lucky to know a lot of really great writers. Um, so recently, my two gift books have been um, a poetry collection called Gates and Fields by Jennifer Firestone and a novel called Dear Cyborgs by Eugene Lim. And both of those came out last year and both are fantastic. I know Dear Cyborgs. That's awesome. Oh, do, yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. That's a, And I love that you give books by people, by new authors. That's like, that's, that's a, a great, it's a good idea. Strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, so often, you know, it's, it's a way to both help that writer, but also to just really honor, you know, the fact that they made something amazing. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And I guess, you know, because you're going through the whole selling of your book right now. Yeah, totally. Everyone should so, gift red clocks. Yeah. <laughs> Where can we find you online if people are looking to find your work or to find more about you? Well, I have a website. It's lanyzumas.com. Um, and I have links to other things I've written and my two previous books on there. And I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. So come find me in any of those places. Amazing. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you guys so much. And can I just say, it's really cool that you guys have a podcast like this because I'm a huge fan now of book podcasters and book bloggers. And I think that you're kind of keeping, keeping something alive that, that needs to be kept alive. So thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can't say that. You can definitely (laughs) say that. 
Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Anna writes in, I buy a lot of used books because they're cheaper and my library collects donated books and has a book sale several times a year to raise money. Usually the books are in pretty good shape, but occasionally you get one that is missing crucial pages or has weird stains. The worst one was a book that looked fine but smelled terrible. It must have gotten wet at some point because the pages were all wavy and it smelled like mildew. Every time I read it, the smell got on my hands. I didn't want to get rid of it because it's part of my favorite series, but dealing with the smell for 900 pages was awful and I finally broke down and bought a new copy from Barnes and Noble. How do you deal with damaged books and at what point should they just be thrown away? Priya, what do you think this lady should do? Well, first of all, side note, what series do you think this is that she thinks this this is so important to keep? 900 pages? I'm I'm, I'm saying it's The Passage by Justin Cronin. 900 pages is a lot for a series book. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anna, you got to get rid of that stinky book. (laughs) (laughs) Get rid of that stinky book. I know you spent some money on that, that, and you spent some time on it, but, like, do you know about the sunk cost fallacy? No. Do you know about this? No. Where, like, you think of, like, if there's a dress in the store, and you're like, that dress, it's $200 in the store, and you're like, not worth $200. But if it's in your closet and you paid $200 for it, you're like, definitely worth $200. <laughs> and, and, and it's, like, this weird thing, even though it's the same dress, but because you paid $200 for it, and then someone wants to buy it for you from, for 50 bucks, you're like, that's a $200 dress, but in a store you would, like, never spend that money. Oh, I'm really describing your, this very poorly. sunk your cost into it. Yeah, it's like the idea okay. is that once you own something, you think it's worth more than it's actually worth. And that's, I feel like, what's happening here with Anna. She thinks that this book is worth more because she already, like, she bought this book. And even though she bought it for cheap, like, you got to get that stinky thing out of your house. <laughs> get, that, get that, throw that right in the garbage. <laughs> I have, like, no. <laughs> I mean, I understand what's going on, but, like, she, it's not. Things are sometimes not worth the money you spent on them. And that's okay. I, like, I would say most things that you spent money on is not worth it once you get it home. Agreed. All right. What do you think, Mallory? Anna, have you ever seen a horror movie? This is, the, like, this is how you get possessed by a ghost. Oh, like, it's true. There's a weird wavy book with weird stains and, and smells are coming out of it. Like, this is how you get ghosts in your house. <laughs> like, this is the opening scene of a horror movie. Like, it has blood. weird stains. There's what are blood those all over from? it? And every time I open it up, I hear chanting. Like, like what, what? What? Let's think about all the gross things those stains could be. It could I, go anywhere from Cheetos to sex stuff, and like, like that is gross. Oh man, I have a weird story to tell you after the show. <laughs> the great share it on the show. <laughs> I think you should share it I now. Be, I used to be a house cleaner, and man, I've seen some things. So, the great thing about shopping for used books is picking out which copy you want, because there's always going to be another one at another book sale to find. There's no book cheap enough to be worth getting some weird possibly haunted smell on your hands if i already own a book and i damage it like it gets wet it gets chewed on by one of my cats it gets torn i have two rules first can i still read it is it readable and i don't mean like just like you know are all the words there like are you able to comfortably read this if you have to put on a gas mask to read this book did you describe the book as wavy then it is not readable sorry wavy is not a readable book that is how this book was described yeah seriously and also like can it be shelved you know is this something like Oh. It's like so torn up, like it's literally a pile of pages, and it's not gonna fit. And you, like you have to tape it all together. Like so, if, if so, if those two questions, you can still read it <laughs> and can it still be shelved. I'll usually dry it off. I'll tape up the rip. If not, you just buy a new. What copy. about the stink factor? Well, if it's a stink factor, you throw that fucker away. There's nothing you can't like. We don't buy it. You can't dry clean a book. <laughs> Like it's just you put it, you throw it right in the garbage. It's not like a, a flower you can hang upside down on your wall, you and then all of a sudden the book starts to smell better. No, you no, got a stink factor. No, thank you. And also, can we just take a moment to think, like, what happened to this book that it smells oh, that bad? Ugh, so many. It's things. hard to get a book really smelly. Here's the play: it could be in the toilet, it could yeah. be in a river, 
A stinky river. A cat could have thrown up on it. So many things. You just go straight to cat, though, because you got so many cats. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I just am constantly thinking about cats and cat-related problems. <laughs> so unless it's a beloved book, like my first copy of The Scarlet Letter uh, that I actually ended up stealing from that same high school teacher because I love the book so much, uh, right now it's held together with elastic bands because the binding just, I've read it so many times. Oh, wow. Times. But, so I can't read it. But it sits on a shelf, and I so and then I had to I went out and rebought a reading copy for a dollar at the library. Anna, I will will I'll send you a dollar if you need to rebuy this book at the library bookstore. Okay, please get rid of this book. Get get a call a priest to exercise the smell from your home. Like it's never ever worth it. Like unless a book unless this book is like you know your grandmother gave it to you when you were five. Even then, if it's super smelly, maybe you should put it in a in a in a bag. So throw <laughs> this book away, Anna. Anna, throw it out. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. Reading Glasses is pleased to offer interactive transcripts of the show through Greta. Go to g-r-e-t-t-a dot com slash reading underscore glasses to read and turn your favorite reading glasses moments into clips that you can share out on social media. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast, on litzy at readingglasses, and you can always follow along on our bookshop ventures using the general hashtag readingglasses. Thanks for listening, and, and thanks, thanks for reading. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.